All right, church, how are we today? Hey, 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 welcome all of you. Let's real quick, before we jump into like celebrating eight years, our Ocho, uh, let's say welcome to all of our first-time guests and anyone and everyone who's watching online. Can you guys give them a shout out? Awesome, 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 awesome. Thank you for all the brave souls who came on stage with Richard's Ridiculous Game. Terrible. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe we are crazy around this church. If you haven't noticed that, eight years of crazy doesn't change. You're still going forward crazy. All right. Well, a couple things we want to celebrate real quick diving into this morning are some some new things that have happened. So I want to invite up. You guys may not know this, but my church has its very own competition cheerleading teams who just won big recently at a big national competition in Orlando. So let's welcome up these beautiful ladies on stage, our Impact Cheerleaders. Yes, come on up, ladies. Awesome. That is a whole lot of little ladies right there. I love the bows. I think just on sheer looks alone, you guys would have won, right? One, you're as cute as as you can be. And uh, how about these uniforms? Oh, my goodness. I've heard that across the globe, the cheerleading community has said that you guys have the best uniforms. Is that true? Am I lying? No, it's the truth. Okay, so <clears throat> let me tell you what's happened. In the last year, uh, sort of sort of unplanned but out of the blue, God just kind of put his thumbprint on uh, a need in Columbus to do some cheerleading with some values driven behind it. So our church partnered with an organization out of Atlanta called Impact Cheerleading, and we said, who wants to help lead this thing? And we have this little superstar right here, Kendall Nipper. You guys know who this is? <laughs> Kendall, Kendall oversees all of our My Kids. That's our older kids, like uh, age 11 and under till five. to five, five and up to 11, something like that. And Kendall said, I'll be your, your Huckleberry. And so Kendall has been our director this year. She didn't say Huckleberry. Uh, but Kendall has been our director this year and has done a phenomenal job Leading this team, guiding the team, and and we want we got a we got a gift for you. So could you gr- could you girls give her these flowers? Good job, Kendall. Kendall, thank you for your investment in this team. She really is an absolute fireball and has really uh, brought the life to this thing. Now she's not done this all alone by any stretch of the imagination. She's got some incredible coaches. So real quick, Miriam Maxwell is one of our coaches. What which which team do you coach? The Tiny Stars, right? I, I would join just if I was tiny because I like the name. <laughs> and then this is Myra and this is Jennifer Ortiz, mother-daughter combination. And what team do you guys focus on? The Shining Stars, state champs. Now, uh, both these guys, uh, one was state champs, but they went to a nationals competition in Orlando and placed second and third, which is unheard of out of thousands out of, out of thousands of other little girls and teams, our team, in their very first year, uh, we're really top dogs. So. so so, I sort of embarrassed myself the first hour. I was like, uh, so can we get them to do something on stage? And I kind of said, do a little nod and a little hip thing. But that didn't work. So do you guys know the dab? Can you guys all give us a real quick dab? Just a, Just throw it out there. Just dab me. Just go. On three. Ready? One, two, three. Go a dab. Uh. All right. All right. So, hey, give these guys a hand. And you guys want to give us a cheer as you walk off this morning? All right. They're going to cheer on the way out. Thank you, guys. We love you. 
Great job this year. And they've already done one service this morning, so they're going to excuse themselves. Uh, I want to say thanks to all the parents uh, who have been a part of this also and supported this. Uh, this has been really an outreach of our church into our community. And uh, many of these girls and families, we're just now meeting for some of the very first time. So thank you for being with us this morning. We love you guys. All right, so we're going to jump in this morning. And let me tell you our, our goal. Our goal is just a party, all right? We're just going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate some great things that God, have, God has done. I brought my wonderful, wonderful assistant. I used the word Vanna White in the first service, and only a certain age group know, knew what I was talking about. So this is my wife. Yeah, she's older than you too. Yeah, so I know that. So, so I'm corrected twice. So this is my wife, Christy. You guys know Christy. Uh, again, thank you for being here this morning. We're, we're going to have some fun today just talking about what God has done in the last eight years. Our church celebrates eight years today. When I think about eight years, uh, I get a little weak in the knees because uh, when we started this thing, we were scared. We moved to Columbus, Georgia, not knowing what God would do. Uh, we moved to Columbus, Georgia with, with resources that were in the process of being raised to launch this church, so we had left our jobs. So a lot of nervousness, a lot of fear. Uh, at times when we first were getting rolling, I felt like Man, it's just Christy and I. We're like, we're like taking a stand, but God, you got to bring us some peeps, right? We need some help. We need some, we need some teammates. And lo and behold, God brought us team. And uh, we do want to, we want to talk about you guys and what you have done this year. But before I really dive into what our team has morphed into becoming and how amazing our team is, I can't go any further than celebrating some of the Murphy team that helped us launch this church. We've never. Uh, had them up on stage, but I want you to meet some of my kids this morning that are in the house. Ashley and J.D., could you guys come up for me? This is J.D. Murphy. Can everybody say, J.D., what's up? Yeah. All right, J.D.'s awesome. This is my daughter, Ashley. Can you say hello, Ashley? Yeah. Yes. All right, so let's see. Eight, nine, was it eight years ago, that's what we're celebrating today. Eight years ago, Ash was six, and J.D. was three years old. I think we've got a picture up there. Yep. Uh, not, uh, I guess there has been a lot of things that has changed. JD has man teeth now, <coughs> uh, but some things never change. Ash still has those tonsils. Um, and Allie is, it's changed for Allie because now she's a very competitive swimmer and is actually swimming in a, swimming in a, in a meet right now. So we brought a picture of a new grown up senior in high school, about to head off on a D1 college scholarship. You know I'm not proud about that. So uh, very proud of all my family. So let me just say to you guys, Daddy loves you. And I'm so grateful that nine years ago you guys all went in together as a family and you said yes. We moved here and we all agreed that that's what God led us to do. Let me thank you for all the times that you visited other churches prior to our launch, that you went and checked out other kids' ministries, and told us what they did right. You came back with challenges of what we could do better. And you really, you, you've prayed for people's lives being changed. You've loved, you've served. Ashley gets emails and it serves different places in our church. J.D. serves. He's the chief snack eater in our church. 
He says that rally days are the most important days of the year. If you know that, that's when we have lots of candies. I think he's eaten, I think he's consumed four apple fitters that uh, one of the uh, military groups has out there. So we love you guys. Thank you for what you've done to help this church begin. I love you both. All right. Bye. Bye. And just so you don't think we're any special family, at all of those church visits we went to, at least 60% of the time our number would flash up on the screen and we were like, oh, no, <laughs> the Murphy kids have done it again. Like, come get your kids. <laughs> They're driving us crazy. No. They were, they were troopers. Finally, I remember J.D. saying, please, can we stop going to the next church? Can we just go to my church? And that's why we named it my church. No, I'm kidding. We got that out of the Bible, but it was awful cute that he had said that. Well, let me do this this morning. I'm going I'm to try to connect some dots this morning with an Old Testament story <laughs> that means a great deal to me because I see ourselves, I see us in this story. Uh, if you've been a part of, you know, church or have ever studied God's Word before, there's a story in the Old Testament about three guys who, who defied tradition, who stood up against difficulty and stood strong in a moment in their generation when God was really looking for somebody to stand strongly by faith. Uh, There's these three guys, their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That's that's just three names. That's not eight names. It's not Bob, Bill, and Dave. It's that's three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three names. And what these guys did was they, they were, they were stolen or taken or apprehended from when God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to have power and to take and, and, and bring people out of Israel into their home country of Babylon. And what they did was their goal was to raise up uh, a whole bunch of younger generation of Israelis and educate them, train them, and just whitewash all of their customs, all of their history, and to turn them into Babylonians and to annihilate, annihilate their history, their culture, and the God that they followed. So here you have whose God's the real God on display. You tracking? And these three guys, I don't know if they understood that. I don't know if they had the perspective to understand historically that was what was happening. That's really been the story of all of our faith. Whose God's the real God? Who do we follow? So that's been happening ever since then till now. But in that generation, God was looking for somebody to be bold, to say, hey, that's for me and my house. We're, we'll serve the Lord. So what happened was the king, Nebuchadnezzar, made a 90-foot idol and said, hey, I, when, when the music plays, I want everyone to come out of your, your house, out of the, the neighborhood, out of, you know, the city areas, and I want you to show up and I want you to stand out there. And there were thousands that would gather. And he asked them, basically commanded them to bow or to fall on their knees and to bow this idol that he created for of himself. Now, you know there's a whole lot of pride going on there, right? I don't know that that's too customary today, but, I mean, there's some pride we got to, but this guy was full of himself. And he wanted to say that himself and the gods of Babylon, Babylon were the real gods. And these guys said, no, that's not right. We won't bow. And so when the king began to realize day after day when the music would play and all these different, different, different instruments would play, these three guys who he liked originally were not bowing. He finally said, look, if they don't bow this next go-round, 
we're going to kill him. And here's exactly what he said. He said, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown in the blazing furnace. Now, here's what was, here's what was going on. These three guys were all at once standing in, in a sea of people, the only three people standing. Now, you know that's, that's scary. Um, one, just peer pressure, right? Well, might, might as well take, just take a knee. No big deal, right? We can still love our God. We can still find other ways to be bold. But in that moment, they were the only three guys that said, hey, this is our moment. This is where, where, where the rubber meets the road. All is on display. Our God is on display. And whether he does something in this moment or not, we're going to stand up for him because we believe in him. Now, when we, when we came here to Columbus, we kind of felt like those three guys. We're like, we're all alone, right? We're, we're it. And slowly but surely, God began to bring teammates. We, we, we got some staff. We got some people praying in advance before the church launched. We began to have about a 30 or 40 person uh, launch team prior to the first Sunday. And then, lo and behold, on our first Sunday, we had over 600 people in our first service. And then a bunch the next week, and we we're outside in a tent, which makes no sense that we were in a tent, but this building was not done in time, and some of you guys know the story. In the first two weeks, 90 people made Jesus the leader and forgiver of their life, meaning they said, I need to be saved. I'm not a Christian. I need to know this God. And in the first two weeks, almost 100 people bowed the knee and said yes to God. And heaven became more crowded that day, we believe. And so we look at that, and along the way, God's been raising up more and more people to join this journey, be a part of this adventure, and to be the generation that stands strong and says, hey, it's now or never. I mean, we live in a world then, and we live, we, they lived in a world then, we live in a world now that, that needs, God needs and wants people to stand up and say, hey, no matter what, we're not going to bow, we're not going to cave in, we're going to stand for God, we're going to stand for His values, we're going to do what's right, and we're going to walk not in fear, but we're going to stand in faith. We're not going to bow, we're not going to cave and live in fear. We're going to stand strong by faith. And so God raised up a church, and eight years into this thing, there's been a lot of amazing things that's happened. So a couple things I want us to walk away from today. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a message today, but we're going to give you some exciting things that you may not know that's been going around here. So there's a couple things I want you to, sow, want you to see. When it comes to our faith, our faith is critical to our spiritual journey. You can't know God without faith, meaning there are going to be times in your life when you know there's that moment that God's leading you to stand up, maybe to do what's right, maybe to say no to something that's wrong, maybe just to be bold, maybe to stay committed, maybe to, you know, who knows, whatever he leads you to do, if we don't do it, then we've missed an opportunity of, of following God by, by faith. But there's something that happens when you step out by faith all of a sudden, your, 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 your fear, your nervousness, when you do stand, what happens? You're, you stand and you're like, okay, God, I've done it. Now where are you? And what always happens for those that say, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to step out in this, out of the comfort, comfort, comfortable spot, in this scary spot. What always happens is we end up knowing God greater because all of a sudden we, we, we're in a scary place and we need God. And so what do we do? We lean into him. So here's a couple things I want you to notice. You, you got your notes this morning, but we're going to flash this up quick. The greatest enemy to your faith today 
is whatever you're bowing down to. Now, I know most of us don't think of us as bowing down to a 90-foot King Nebuchadnezzar, but all of us have stuff, right? Stuff sometimes has us, right? Um, Some of us, if you're a parent, you might love your kids more than you love God. That's a pretty easy one, right? I mean, that's normal, right? God wants us to love our kids, but God always says, look, I want to be number one. And, and the reality is, if, if I don't put Christy above God, but I put God first, and I, and I say, God, I'm going to follow you number one, then what happens is then this relationship's better because I placed him first. You, you tracking? So whenever I place God first in my life, whenever I follow God by faith and take those spiritual steps of faith to stay in tune with God, then all the areas of my life, when I get this right vertically, all the areas of my life horizontally, they're better because God's God, and he's bigger, and he's more awesome, and he's able. And when I'm, when I'm surrendered to him, that's the sweetest spot I can be in. So if we don't take faith steps, what happens is this. If we continue to bow down, Eventually, if you continue to bow down to other things that have your attention more than God has your attention, whatever we focus on more, and more than God, guys, we, we focus on stuff. You know, a lot of times I do. I, I'm always shopping for the next thing. It's the next, next gun or the next cool toy or the next whatever. And sometimes I, whatever I'm giving my attention to more is essentially what I'm bowing down to. Whatever looms larger in your life than the Lord is potentially your idol. So if we continue to bow down, what will happen is it will eventually crowd out the voice of God in our lives. Let me say that again. Whatever we bow down to, whatever we give more time to, more attention to, eventually, if it's not God, it will crowd out the voice of God in our life. So essentially today, the question I want to ask is, what is it potentially that has your heart, has your attention, that God wants to kind of open your eyes to today to say, look, put me first. Put me first. If you'll put me first, everything else will be better for you. So the story goes, these guys get threatened, basically. Hey, you don't, you, if you don't bow down, you're going to be in a really bad place. We're going to tie you up. We're going to throw you in a very, very hot furnace, and you're going to burn to death. These guys are told that, but they stand anyways. So here's what happens. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's just three guys, uh, replied to him, that's the king. And this is what they said. They said, King, king Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I'm thinking, uh, you might want to defend yourself because you're about to get scalded, right? Not hot water like burnt to a crisp. They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. Now, we find ourselves in these shoes all the time. God, I think you want me to do this. I think you want me to do this. God, I think you want me to do this. I'm going to step out and do this. But God, are you with me? <laughs> right? God, are you, are, you, are you in this with me? Right? God, we're trying to strength, stand strong. We're trying to go this direction. We're trying to, you know, whatever as a family. We're trying to serve. But it's always, God, are you with me? Right? So these guys teach us something. They, they said this. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. We don't know that he is, but we know he's able. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But that's not clear. Does that mean you're going to get us out of the fire? They don't know. 
All they know is if we stand, we're going to die. So they say to the king, hey, we don't care what you do with us. In the end, our God's number one, you're number two. That's what they said. So this ticks off the king. I mean, he is, he's, he's, he's mad, right? So he's so mad, his response is this. Nope, I don't want to go there yet. Because I, if, I if I go there, I'm leaving Christy out. I've got I to gotta lead up to you, okay? Just Pause me. Go right ahead. <laughs> ADD jumped ahead, okay? So, so here's the thing. He, they, this is what they say. But if, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So he, we, we see something about these guys. We see faith. We see strength. So here's the thing with faith. Faith isn't conditional on what God does, but who he is. Faith is not conditional on what God does, but who he is. Why do we need to know that? Because sometimes, sometimes God does it differently than what we think, right? Sometimes we've thought about, prayed for, hoped for, and God doesn't do it that way. God doesn't want our faith to lose faith based on what he does or doesn't do. What is faith based off of? Faith isn't conditional, conditional on God's response, but his character. It's placing your faith in who God is, not what he does. Because we're not God. We don't always know or understand why God does what he does. I remember an old song. It was like, if you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. If you can't figure out what God's doing, no worries. Trust who he is. So here's the thing. Even when we're faithless, because we've all been there before. There's been many times in my life I did not stand. There's been those moments where God was like, hey, here's your faith step. You're going to grow because of this one. I'm going to work in your heart. You're going you're to move from where you are to somewhere else. And I missed those opportunities. There's been many in my life. But here's the greatest news ever. When we're faithless, God's still faithful. Even when we're faithless, God is always faithful. It's just who he is. And what that means for our church is incredible. Because there's been things in our church's history that we tried to plan, we tried to manufacture, we tried to make happen. But in the end, we look back and we think, God, you did that. You did that. Christy, tell us about some cool things God's done. It's been an amazing year, 2016. Um, and let me just tease him for just a minute. When we fell in love in college, we took a speech class together. Huh. And he would always say to me, what are you doing your speech on? And I'd tell him, because I'm one of these, like, prepare way ahead of time people. And he'd go, I love that idea. I'm going to do that. And he'd take my speech, and he'd have to do a new one. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how many times, like, we've planned to speak together. Sometimes I think you do it on purpose. Sometimes it might be on accident. He will take my part. Like, we have a nice little paper up here that says Jeff, Christy, Jeff, you know, that he'll do my part just to watch me squirm and be like, okay, Christy, now it's I'm your turn. I'm trying to help her take faith steps, yeah. okay? <laughs> All right. I mean, I'm just, she needs God up here, so. So, just to set you at ease, I am prepared for this next part, all right? I'm prepared to brag on you, is what I'm prepared to do. If you are young enough to have an Instagram account, or you are, you're probably either young enough to have one yourself, or you're old enough to have kids that have one. If you have Instagram, you know that at New Year's, Instagram does this thing, the best nine. 
it's so much fun. You see your top nine pictures of the most likes that you've had all year, and it's just kind of a fun way to reminisce. So we put together the My Church Best Nine from 2016, of the things that God has done. And really, this is not the most likes that we've had, but this is what you have done that God has done through you. So I just want to point out a couple of these numbers to you. This is um, all last year. Last year, like just 2016, 2016, just one, not eight one years year. Worth. No, not eight years worth. Yeah. It's just one year. So um, one of my favorite numbers is at the top in the middle, 262, first-time guests. People come to church for two reasons. They come because they're in life transition. They've moved. They've gone through a divorce or they've gotten married or they've had kids and they're like, Lord, help. We don't know what to do. Or they come because you invite them here. So that number 262 represents the people that you've invited, the people that have walked in saying, we're going to give God and his church one last chance. You guys are the most accepting people on earth, and because of that, you go the extra mile to make everybody feel accepted, and that is why we have the two numbers below it. Let me point to the bottom one first, the 56 God Plunge stories. Those are baptisms. There's really, you know, in, in church, it's hard to, how do you measure your progress? It's not exactly like a business, and so the way God told us to measure growth in a church was through baptism. He gave us one command. He said, go and make disciples and baptize them, and so the reason that number is so important to us is these are people who've not just come and said, you know, I think I'll come back. These are people who are actually having their lives transformed, and they're doing what Jeff said. They're taking that stand of faith in front of people to say, I'm on his team. The number in the middle, y'all, this is nothing short of miraculous. 363 people last year because of your support and you're standing up, and you're leading small groups, and you're wiping bottoms in the nursery. Inviting 363 people, people made Jesus the leader and forgiver of their life. Yeah. That means instead of an eternity apart from Christ, they will be in heaven forever with us. It won't just be eight years of church. It will be forever. And the thing that makes that number just really, really cool is because, you know, Jeff told you about in our first year, we had 90 people make that decision in two weeks. That number, 363, is actually the largest amount of people we have ever had come to Christ in a single year of my church. But it didn't happen just in these four walls. See, in the beginning, it mostly happened in these four walls because Jeff is fun to listen to and inspiring, and people would give their life to Christ. That number happened mostly because of what's going on over here in the left-hand column because now people have stood up and said, God, use my gifts, and God has started to multiply and reproduce people who are on mission that God gave. Here's an example, M2540 up in the top. That started with Ed and Susan Griffinhagen, who were in life transition. They had a teenager, Lord help, and they brought him here because they thought he would love the band, and he did. He now plays in our band when he comes home from college. And they very quickly moved from being consumers to contributors. And God started to prick their heart the more they started to get involved in leading groups. And they actually launched this ministry, I think, in the fall of 2015. But we give 2016 credit because in the year of 2016 alone, they have served 11,000 meals. L let me tell you how they do this. On Monday and Tuesday night, every week, 104 times a year, they cook a hot meal with a team of people, they walk the streets and take it to where the homeless people live. I'm looking at a crowd of you, and a lot of you have done that. 
Eight years ago, did you ever think that you would be walking the streets where you've walked in this city? Did you ever think that you would be best friends with the homeless people in our city? I'm looking at Sarah Grace, who's a, a junior in high school. Sarah Grace, yes, I would venture to say you have more homeless friends in this city than you have friends at your high school. And Is she's that got true? a lot of friends. And she's got a lot of friends. Hey, she's she was very my friendly. co-pilot this last week. I don't get to go out often, but she rode with me, and like her family walked me back in the woods. They said, well, you, you got to meet this family. We're, we're such good friends with them. I'm like, I'm a little scared. They're like, no, no, it's all good back here. We walked back in the woods and like met this family that they are totally pointing them to Christ. And the thing that's cool about going to where they are, if you've participated in this ministry, you know it's complicated. Okay, the first time I went, I'm like, Jeff, we're taking them home with us. Like, you have two choices. You can take them home or you can move out of the house. We're taking this family home. And he's like, baby, it's complicated. I'm like, why is it complicated? They're coming home with us. But it is, I mean, to, to get, you have to have a relationship to get them to want to know God, to get them to want to change their lifestyle. And so this year alone, they've gotten 12 people off the streets. I mean, real life stories that they've moved into permanent housing, they've gotten them jobs, jobs. Um, and 10 of them have accepted Christ as their Savior. And so I just want to give a hand to our M2540 people and, and partners. And, and, and Susan for, for leading that charge and opening up their home and lots of, you know, last week, I didn't know this, this is kind of totally not off this is totally off base, but they tricked me. I'm, I'm like the rookie that shows up whenever I show up. They're like, oh, let's mess with the preacher. Last week, they had all this, um, it, uh, what was it that I drew? Sausage gravy. And they said, oh, it's kind of the rite of passage. You have to dip this ladle with sausage and gravy and drink it. So I'm like, give me that. And I just like grabbed this bowl and I just started chugging it. They're like, ah, no one does that. You just, did. so thank you. I love you guys. You're great. The other just really amazing thing, it really just dawned on me last night that when we started my church and we had this mindset that we didn't want to just build a church, we wanted to build a city. And so we started with the mindset, we, wanna, we want our city, if anything ever happened to my church and my church went away, that city would be like, oh my goodness, we miss them. And right. so, but in the beginning, missions was more of an event. We went on a trip to Africa. We adopted uh, an apartment complex and we did Christmas for them. And it was an event. Now, missions has become the DNA of this place, of your hearts, where we never sat down and said, let's start a homeless ministry. God just did that. God moved somebody's heart to stand up and say, all right, I'll, I'll trust God by faith. It's kind of funny to me that Ed's like the leading real estate. You know, he helps people find homes <laughs> in our city, and now he's literally doing that on the streets. Um, the same is true for the, the bottom left picture cool. here. We named my church my church because that's what Jesus called the church. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and also because we never wanted it to be just about us. We really wanted to have multiple my churches that started all over. So any one of you who wants to start a my church, you can go to any city you want to anywhere in the world, and we would love to help you do that. We actually had a couple. They um, said their first marriage vows officially with Jeff in this church. They were in our first small group. They started growing in their faith and said, you know what? We want to go back to Carlos's hometown in Guadalajara. We're going to start Mia Iglesia. Well, at that time, there wasn't like an organization here ready to help them. You guys sent them to Guadalajara, Mexico. And here's what gives me chills. We sent them. We funded them. They were trained. And you, you did that. They are, they're our kids. You have an opportunity over spring break, if you'd like to be a part of that trip, to go and see what they are doing. They had to go 
and get jobs. They're the hardest working people I know. They have two to three jobs each. And so it took them a few years to kind of get the ball rolling. When they sent us their stats from 2016, it blew my mind. Do you know they had more salvations in Mexico than we had here in the States? It's like a proud parent. Like we want to send people out and have them exceed what we're able to do within these four walls. We were so proud of our 11,000 meals. Like we've been bragging about it. We've been telling y'all about it. They served 120,000 meals last year in the villages. Some of you went and you helped with that and you came back and said, they need help. (laughs) They have a lot to do. They're serving a whole village. So I invite you to be a part of that trip in in March. Um, There's another organization that you may not be aware of over here on the left in the middle. It's called ARC. When we started my church, we started with the mindset that we were going to help other churches do what we did. So we partnered with an organization. They believed in us. They helped fund and start this church. So from the very first offering we ever took in this church, we allocated part of it to go to this organization called ARC. What they do is they help people like our family, like you guys, start churches um, all over the nation. And last year alone, they started 79 churches in America. Since we've been giving to that organization, they've started 613 churches. So guess what? If you are military, wherever you go, all over this country and all over the world, you can now look up in an, uh, in an ARC website and find an ARC church that's going to be life-giving, that's going to be reaching people just like you have here at my church. You guys have done that. You've given hope to people all over the world. Um, the other part that I'm really excited about because it speaks of what's next at my church is the side on the right. This right here is the next generation. We have the impact cheerleaders that you saw this morning. Six of those girls gave their lives to Christ through that ministry. That is amazing. (laughs) Some of those families have come to us and said, we've had grandparents come to us and say, this is the only church my kids and grandkids get is this cheerleading ministry. So thank you so much for what you're doing. And I can probably say this now. Most everyone here earlier were guests today. First time they've been in church and their kids are finding Christ. Really, really cool. Very cool. Um, In the middle is um, third night that was started this year with our students. You guys, we love our teenagers. They are the next generation of my church. Nobody has sacrificed more in this church than our teenagers. There are lots of places that they could go. They could have nice facilities. They could have pool tables and basketball and all these things. Our kids have, they've been in there at my kids. Like when we need to call in help in my kids, we call our teenagers because they're the best. They get on the floor with them. They play. There are little bitties, three and four-year-olds who love and adore and are so attached to our teenagers. I want to say to you guys, thank you. We could not do what we do. That number in the middle would not be possible. And we are hoping and praying that God would send you a youth pastor quickly. We've had families who said, I'll fund a month. I'll fund a month of his salary. We are praying for that this year in 2017. So join us and pray with us. Um, We were able to start just once a month grabbing them together. But listen, these teens are our future And they are amazing. If you see some of them, some of them are leading small groups in this church. They're leading missions trips. They're leading the homeless ministry in our church. 
they are the ones that are going to be the world changers in the next generation. And the same is true of my kids and my tots. If you've ever served over there in those crazy jungles and those places, um, they still call it the jungle back here. Yes, it is a true living jungle with the two-year-olds back there. Um, when we first started my church, I used to say people came because they believed in the mission and there was enthusiasm, but they came in spite of our kids' ministry. That is because Jeff asked me to be in charge of it. And I can barely keep up with my own three kids, so I never needed to be in charge of that ministry. So God has brought us amazing. Brooke Salmon came in, and she turned that around and brought all of her expertise and then raised up Kendall and Rose and others that have made a huge difference. Wiping bottoms in the nursery matters because mama and daddy cannot hear what God has for them without somebody loving on their babies back there. And so we thank those of you who have done that. All of this that God has accomplished in just one year, he's done it through, I don't know about you, but I look at me and I'm like, I'm so unqualified. We hear you guys say over and over again, like, how could God possibly use me? How could I be a small group leader? How could I, you know, make a difference in a homeless ministry? How could I go to Mexico? Um, all it is is us saying, all right, God, by faith, I'll stand up. Use me. So here we have these three guys that said they would not bow. You have the king threatening the whole countryside, thousands of people in attendance, waiting to see what happens. The king makes good on his threat. He ties up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not himself, but he, he, but he brings out his best guards, and he says, tie them tight. Make the furnace seven times hotter. They throw these guys in. It's so hot. History says that the guys throwing them in burn, zap up immediately. Now, all the while, which God is the real God's on display, right? Everybody's watching King Nebuchadnezzar and the gods of Babylonian versus the Israeli gods, the God we know, the God we believe. Who's the real God's on to display? So all of a sudden, Pick up the story with me in verse 23. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. They didn't fall, right? Someone got them there, right? They're not jumping in on their own. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, and this is his response. He leaps to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, and I love this. He's like dumbfounded. Weren't there three men? He didn't have a southern voice. Uh, weren't there three men that were tied up? and thrown into the fire, and the guys are like, uh, yeah, yeah, three guys, that's exactly right, certainly, your majesty. Verse 25, he says, look, I see what? Help me out here, I see what? Four, four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. See, here's, here's, what's, here's the, the lesson in this. Whenever we step out in faith, God is with us. That's just the nature, of, the nature of the beast. See, God is always leading us to step out in sort of this uncomfortable place because it's in the uncomfortable place, it's in the scary place, it's in those fearful next steps that we have to need God, right? And what is God doing? God wants to tell the world that He is God. So the only way the world will know, will know that God is God, if you and I will, in our generation, stand up and make him known. That's how he's doing it. He's leveraging our stories, leveraging our faith, 
leveraging our commitment, leveraging our stuff, our time, our treasure, our talents. God is going to be known through the people of his church stepping out and God saying, that's my boy, that's my girl, let me show off through them. So here's what happens. King, he's just like, I mean, just picture this. There are thousands of people waiting for the king's response. He's, he's saying there's four guys in there. People are like freaked out. They're probably all getting as close as they can see, you know, close as they can witness this. And this is what he says. He comes out with this like official declarative response. He says, therefore, I dec- decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against not myself, King Nebuchadnezzar, or our gods. No, no, no. We just figured out real quick whose God is real, right? Whose God's number one? It's now known. That anyone against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. Now, this guy was legit, right? That's what I call a flip-flop. I mean, he just went like, no, yes, I'm not in charge. You know, he's bowing down at this point. His worship, his attention, his his everything is now realizing the God of Israel is the real God. Generation after generation, what has moved the hearts of those watching are people who've stood up and said, I will not bow, I will stand, and whenever God leads me to do something, I'm going to do it. Why? Because faith is what pleases God. Because faith is the, is the tool for us to grow. If we are not standing in faith, we're bowing in fear. That's, that's just our choices. You can't really ride the pine in this one. You know, I grew up in church. It's so easy, as long as I've been in church, to kind of just slip back in a comatose like, okay, God, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm good to go. But there's always this prodding where God's reminding me that, that he wants to grow me, he wants to shape me, he wants to use me, and there's somebody out there who needs to know that God is real, and he wants to use my life. He wants to use your life. He wants to grow you and use you. So the king makes this statement. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whoever says anything against their God, be cut in pieces, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. And this is the statement. For there is no other God that can save this way. With God, you're standing or you're bowing. So my hope is this. Eight years have been, have been phenomenal. But in this generation, in this day and age, with our country, with where it's at, God is leveraging his followers, his believers, to rise up. And I don't mean that to be like the Atlanta Falcons rise up. I mean, I mean to really stand up, to really be bold in our faith, to really say that at at any cost, in every cost, I'm going to follow God. Why? Because he's worthy. Take this story and put this in our reality. I mean, if that was the miracle of today, do you know what would happen? I mean, everybody would be like, oh my gosh, God's real. But God's, God's not doing it like that any longer. He is using us. He's using us using your stories and the God in us to help others find himself. So my hope is this. If you're new, if you've been here for a little while, if you've been here for a long while, 
my hope and my prayer is that wherever you are at, as God leads you, you say yes. You say yes, whatever it is. Many of you have been doing that. You've been saying, yes, God, yes, God, yes, and you've been growing. Some of you, you're still sort of out there. You're still out there. Maybe you've been kneeling for a while. Maybe it's time for you to say, okay, God, I've been on the sidelines. I've been up in the bleachers. But, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I'm going to come out of the stands. I'm going to get on the field, and I'm going to play ball. So here's the thing. The question we have to ask is, are you standing or are you bowing? And the question that we want to end with today is, will you stand up for what God's leading you to do? For this church, for this cause, so that every man, woman, and child in this city could find Christ and across the globe. It's up to us. It's up to us to let the world know Jesus is our God. Let's pray. Lord, I, I just got I, I just surrender today's talk, these words, our hearts, God, as imperfect as they are, God, today we just surrender to you. And God, we acknowledge that you are, you're the true living God, both in that generation and in this generation, God. God, I thank you for those that have been standing strong, that have weathered storms, that have provided, that have given, that have sacrificed, that have given their time, that have given, God, everything they have, everything they are to make a difference. God, I thank you for the growth that's accompanied that. And God, today, I, I just, God, I believe that you're leading our church to a whole nother place. And Lord, I believe you're leading people in this congregation, this family today to say, I'm going to take up my mantle. I'm going to play my role. I'm going to be a part of what God is leading us to do as a church. And God, let us make a difference for you. God, I pray that our first date, God glorified you, and all eyes and attention, God, would be on what you did. God, I pray that for our next eight, God, you'd be glorified, but God, you would allow us to take up this challenge of being those who would not shirk and sit and bow in fear, but we would step up, bow up, and stand up because you are God. And I thank you, God, that you have always showed off, you've always modeled that you're the real deal. All through history, God, we thank you for loving us unconditionally and being the God who saves, being the God who gives, being the God who forgives. God, we give our, our hearts to you today. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to invite our host teams to come up. It's been an awesome day. I want to thank you guys for coming. I want to thank you, thank you for being a part of our, our eighth year celebration. Uh, we kick off a new series next week. It's called, gosh, I hate when I haven't thought about this in advance. Um, heavy, heavy weights, that's right. It's really, it's not correct, but uh, it's called, I, I just thought of it, it's called uh, The Elephant in the Room. We, we thought it was going to be heavyweights. It's called The Elephant in the Room, and we're going to be kicking off questions, heavy questions that the church never wants to address because it's the elephant in the room, right? So you want to be here. You want to invite guests. You want to invite people who are like, hey, I got some questions about God. I got some questions about why the church does this. I got some questions about this Bible thing. Is it legit? How can it be? You got to be here. You got to show up, and you got to bring your friends, all right? And don't forget the title, okay, because you'll have to help me next week, all right?
Love you. All right, so our host teams are here. We're going to close with an offering and a kicking song today. So I want you guys to go ahead and stand. Let's get a little rowdy. Let's sing big. And let's say thank you for what God's done for us. We love you, Lord. Amen.